Today on Lockdown Red Wings, recapping the last two Red Wings preseason games, both against Toronto, and then the Red Wings started trimming their roster here. Is Elmer Soderblom actually making this roster? You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty is host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And it was a busy weekend for the Detroit Red Wings, Scotty, as they played their final two preseason games, both against Toronto, Friday at LCA, Saturday in Toronto. And then they made a ton of roster cuts. Uh, on Sunday and a couple that, you know, got leaked to us uh, layman out here on Twitter. And so we'll talk about it because it looks like some an ex- one exciting prospect got sent down, but the other one is still on the roster. And I think practice tomorrow because the deadline, I believe, is at 5 p.m. on Monday. Yep. The tomorrow's going to be super interesting to see who gets thrown down to the AHL and who stays up with the big boys. But before we get to that, I feel like we have to talk about the two games that were played, mostly about Friday's game because they won that one, and Saturday's game was not a good showing. But again, preseason, doesn't really matter. I'm probably going to talk a lot about this guy because the first thing I want to bring up with Friday's game, Scotty, Elmer Soderblom. Yeah, that's <laughs> number one on my list too, yeah. <laughs> that was a hell of a goal. I mean, he had a great game, all, and he's had a great preseason and mm-hmm. very much deserves – to still be on this roster, spoiler, I guess, but you can't talk about Elmer Soderblom now and not bring it up, but he did not get cut. He did not get sent down to the AHL. He's still on this roster heading into Monday and Monday's deadline. So he has a legitimate chance to be a forward on the Detroit Red Wings, which is crazy because he was a sixth round pick. He just signed his ELC and he's been so good. I mean, that goal, just to get into that, just to focus on the game. I mean, is his ability to play keep away just because of his sheer stick length guys go to poke check him and they just can't reach it. And he's got such soft hands on that backhander was so beautiful. I mean, this is we're, we're in Elmer Soderblom season boys and girls. I think so I think so that, I mean, that play was obviously the highlight of a really good performance all around, but that, yeah, that one play that kind of made the rounds on Twitter and whatnot uh, was definitely, you saw like everything that he can do in like one play. Right. Like you saw the physicality that he brings for being so large. You saw the soft hands. You saw the finishing ability. Uh, you saw the stick work. Like the, the, he really encapsulated like all of what makes him great all in one play. And yeah. it was really cool to watch. But I, I thought this entire performance, he was really good. And I think the one thing that that's maybe not talked about as much is the fact that with all of those intangibles, he has the ceiling where I'm not saying that he he's guaranteed to be, you know, like a heart winner, but he has the ceiling to be an incredible defender, like with, with the size and physicality. And again, just like the reach because of how like big of a stick he plays with, there is, he, he really does have the, again, just like the raw makeup of a fantastic 
de- like defender as a forward. And also you add in again, like the, the finishing ability that we've seen so far in the soft hands that he's played with. It's impossible not to be really excited about him. He is a unicorn. He is he is literally a unicorn, and he is on the Detroit Red Wings, and that is awesome. And and shout out to Lars Thorsell too because he called it back in 2019. He uh, in so he got we to make the rounds on Saturday, maybe Friday evening after Ice Hockey Gifts retweeted it. Uh, it, was, it was in response to an Anthony Manta article that Max Boltman had posted about Anthony Manta and how power forwards usually take time to find their stride, and he responded saying like. This is kind of the norm for big power forwards is they take longer to put it all together. And he's, he said in that tweet from 2019 that Elmer Soderblom could be that guy. And he's been mm-hmm. co- correct every step of the way. So th- it's just this guy is so exciting to watch. But he wasn't the only player who's exciting to watch in that game. I mean, Tyler Bertuzzi had another goal. And this was a game where I thought Simon Edmondson, even though he got sent down, which we'll talk about in segment two and three, I thought he had a real good play to get Tyler Bertuzzi's goal, which at that time, I believe, tied it up, put it, put them down by one. I, it was a couple days ago now, so I'm tr- struggling to remember. But I'm in the he, same boat. It definitely made it closer, though, yeah. He pinched down the wing, knocked the puck off, and then Tyler Bertuzzi picked that puck up, and as he was trying to make a move inside, Edmondson did a nice little interference. Kind of didn't like interfere, interfere, but made sure he kept his body in that guy's lane so he couldn't get to Bertuzzi yeah, when he made that pick. move. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pick and roll as they would call it. I don't pick know. And roll, baby. That was right. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, no, you nailed it, man. Yeah, awesome. proud of you. You worked in a basketball stud. arena for years. It's fine. <laughs> Hockey's my go-to, but I mean that was a good play. But there wasn't enough. He showed high. He showed highs and he showed lows. And I, I don't have a problem with him going down to AHL. And we'll talk about that again. But Bertuzzi played really great in that game again. But hands down, I think the most consistent line outside of the top line. In this preseason, has got to be Valeno, Zadina, and Verana, or Kubalik rather. That line has been really good, and it showed again in this game. One, I mean, Joe Valeno had another. Uh, he well, he had a goal in this game as well, which is really just a rocket of a shot, absolute lethal shot. He he looks so much good. And he mentioned it on the broadcast. He's lost nine pounds, which I didn't even know about. I, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't realize that. that he's leaned up big time. He looks really good and he looks ready to take the next step at the NHL. And I'm really excited for if he's the third line center, which I know is going to be tough to push for because, you know, Pew Suter's there and he's competing for that spot. But that line legitimately has made a campaign for the third line. He, they've looked so good together. Yeah, absolutely. I think. If you were to talk, I'll ask you this. Now that we're we're done with games, right? Yes. What, outside of Elmer Soderblom, because that's the, the obvious answer, who is the player that preseason has raised their stock the most? And you can't say Elmer Soderblom or Philip Zanino. I mean, if you're excluding the two guys that, <laughs> yeah, the I two mean, it's got to be Joe Valeno. Right? I mean, Lucas Raymond in there in that mix too, because he's looked phenomenal. For but sure. like Lucas Raymond's stock was already high. I, I my I didn't know what my expectations were for Joe Valeno going into the preseason. I think it's important to know too. Like we were playing 
the the Maple Leafs B team in this game, much yeah, like oh, in the blowout. And like we've had matchups like that all preseason too. And yeah. and on Saturday, the Red Wings played their B team against Toronto's A team because it was in right. front of their home crowd, so they got blow blew, blown out, blewed out. There they you got go. blown out. Blued out. So yeah. it's important to mention that for context. But they looked really good. I mean, in this game, Joe Valeno, Phil Bazzini, Dominic Kubalik line uh, played Kubelik nine was minutes. One of my answers, by the way, to the so question good. I asked, which is just why, like, I think when when you talk about start of the preseason, I I mean, we on this show we were talking about Kubalik could be like a sneaky. really nasty like power play option and be like a solidified third liner, and I think. Only throughout this preseason, people are more and more accepting of that concept of like, this guy is going to absolutely be a solidified third liner without a doubt. Um, but I, I am beyond excited for what he provides to the special teams. That's like the one thing I really can't get over. I think he's going to help this this power play immensely. I mean, that line had an expected goals for percentage of 90.99%. Basically, 91% expected goals for percentage. Relative to the rest of the team, they were a positive 42.8% on the ice versus off the ice. They were a positive percentage by 40%, over 40%, which is really good. They were the best line at that in that game. And I I mean, with the chemistry that they've had, I almost say start them at the third line. Hey, make Pew Suter your fourth line center or make Rasmussen your fourth line center. Move the other guy to wing, whoever you want. But that they're making a case for that third line. They looked really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that's where the, when you talk about the bottom six, I, I like I'm immensely more excited about the bottom six now than I was going into the preseason. Oh yeah. And it, it's because of guys like Kubalik, uh performances like Valeno's had, obviously Zadina's a big reason why. I mean, there's, there's a lot of dudes that I think have looked really good in the preseason uh, that were, I don't want to say shaky, but they had bigger question marks next to their names coming into this that now we look around and we go, okay, I'm pumped to see what you do in the regular season. The fact that there's competition in the bottom six is really reassuring. Uh, We got to get to an ad break here, but when we come back, there is one more thing about this game. I do want to mention because it is kind of a big deal. Um, But before we get to that, go ahead. Is it goaltending? It is goaltending. Wow. (laughs) You're so smart. You ruined my tease though. Now everyone's going to know. (laughs) Uh, first we got to talk to you guys today about athletic greens. Our next partner has a product. You got to use literally every day. Start taking athletic greens because with one delicious scoop of AG one, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy, dairy free or gluten free contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while tasting good. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every day to take care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up your daily, ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Yes, yeah, Scotty, let's talk about the goaltending situation. Alex Nedeljkovic, um, unfortunately for uh, Red Wings fans, has not looked that sharp in the preseason. In both games that he started, at least that I can remember, he let up not just one, but two really quick goals against on not very many shots. Now, on the first goal against, all the everyone out there was watching the puck mover, not covering the guy who was d- low in the slot. It was a high danger shot. So, like, you can cut him a little slack, but the fact that that was what their first, maybe second shot of the game, yeah. and it wasn't like he was through a screen. It was just straight, like he was straight bodied up on him, lined up with him. He, he obviously shares part of the blame. The second one, he wasn't screened on. It was a shot from the point. It was a wrist shot. They thought maybe it was deflected. It wasn't. That was. They had two goals on three shots, and I remember earlier in the preseason, I think it was against the Chicago Blackhawks. It was a game in which I went to, so it had to have been the Blackhawks, I think. But he let in two early ones as well. He has not looked sharp early in games in the preseason. Now, he settled down and didn't let a single goal in for the rest of the night. And looked in the end, I think he finished with an over 900 save percentage. But you can't let yourself get down that early. You got to be able to come out and make saves at the start because you don't want to dig out of holes. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing, too, is that was the, the fact that not the fact that the reason why this is so disheartening is because this was a problem that was very adamant last season, right? This was something that. We would we had the thing where last year we would either score like five minutes into the game or we would give up a goal five minutes into the game. And that was what it seemed like every single night we were either scoring right away or or, or down one right away. And so the fact that we are starting off, and again, preseason, we might get to the regular season and look back and go, wow, that was a crazy overreaction or whatever. But just the fact that the ability – for the opponent to score such quick goals and for how much we kind of put our necks out there for Ned and was like, Hey, yeah, how this dare defense, he? right? Like this defense was really bad last year. That probably has more to do with it than anything. Let's improve the forward defense and the blue line and see what we get this year. Like there's a, there was a, a lot of stuff that we, a lot of, I don't want to say hoops, but like, there, there was quite a few uh, things and like asterisks we put on performances and we're like, well, like, you know, the defense was terrible. And now this year with everything, it's not an elite defensive unit by any stretch. And we don't have an incredible defensive forward core by any stretch either, but it's certainly better than last year objectively. And, and so far in the preseason, there just hasn't seemed to have been much of a difference. No, I completely agree, man. Like this is, it, it's not, been a great start to the preseason and of course you know it's preseason right that's you said it i'll say it i'll always say it is you know takeaways only mean so much in preseason you know yep like what we take away from these games because the stakes are incredibly low and you know it's just you hope to see him get out to a a quicker start but i mean like this is why you have the goaltender uh, competition this is probably part of the reason why eiserman made the trade for villy huso and i I said it in my tweet when I, I mentioned it on Twitter. Like, I don't typically, I'm very careful about put, placing blame on goaltenders because I understand, and we both understand that so much has to go on before that puck goes in the net. It's never just the goalie's fault, except for that time where he tried to play it and put it in his net last year. But outside of that, it's never just that the goalie's crazy, fault. Wasn't it? That was crazy. That was crazy. So 
it's I'm always careful when placing the blame on goaltenders, but he hasn't looked sharp. I mean, in games where you're letting up barely over 20 shots, you shouldn't be letting in two goals. I mean, yes, he finished with a save percentage of 913 in this game, which in the end is, you know, good. But those two early goals shouldn't have gone in. It should have been a shutout, if I'm being honest. So it's something to keep an eye on. And maybe it may have been part of the reason why Eisman made the trade for Vili Husso because he, he saw cracks in Adelkovich's play and figured maybe it would go either way. So he got another goalie to compete with and possibly win out that starting role. But I'm not giving up on Ned. I think it's going to be a very healthy competition between the two. And if, if in the end, if one pulls ahead as the, you know, more of the one A than the one B, then so be it. This is why we got both of them, right? Yeah, I mean, and and that that's exactly right. There is uh, a lot more. I guess it's goalie depth, immediate goalie depth than than we've had before in this regime. So that's nice for sure. But the biggest thing is, you know, he, he could go out there and and the first two starts of the season he could look fantastic, and we could go, okay, he was just getting warmed back up. It was just preseason, started off cold, and then got you know his sea legs back under him and was fine. Or th- this could carry over and, and we could really be looking around having a much different conversation about, okay, this might turn into a 50-50 split back into, like you said, a 1A, 1B type of situation, yep. but with Ned not as the 1A. And um, I, ex- at some point we have to stop. I, I had this conversation with somebody about the lines today. At some point we have to stop doing the what – what if game or start looking ahead and uh, stop looking ahead and going like, Oh, like eventually, like at some point you're just going to have to actually put up results and like yep. actually are going to have to. And he's only had one year under his belt and it was a terrible defense. And that's all true. And I stand by With it. The Red Wings. But if he gets off to it, it's a shorter leash this year. That's my point. Yeah. It's a shorter no. leash. He, he's not going to be able to go through the entire season uh, and have the exact same save percentage with a, an improved roster, and all of us look around and go, "Oh yeah, like still business as usual." Like at you know, and for the millionth time, it's preseason. This could all yeah. this could not be a story in two weeks from today. I think most fans gave him a mulligan list last year, but I think this year it's, it's for real. You know, this is this is for you're playing for a, a, a roster spot, a position, you know, backup starter type situation. Um, but let's move on now to the roster cuts. The Red Wings today announced on uh, Twitter that they made 15 roster cuts. Let me zoom in on this a little bit so people can see it better. Oh, too far, too far. There we go. Good, actually. You're good, though. This works, too. So uh, they trimmed their roster by 15. They now currently have, technically, at the time of recording this, there's going to be more info we're going to talk to you guys about, but currently, officially, at the time of recording this, they have 32 players left in the preseason roster. 18 forwards. 11 defensemen, and three goaltenders. Um, they sent down Simon Edmondson, Albert Johansson, Austin Zarnick, Matt Luff, Pontus Andreasen, Victor Bratstrom, Bratstrom, Jared McIsaac, Donovan Sobrongo, Chase Pearson, Wyatt Newpower, Dominic Shine, Emil Vero, Jonathan Bergren, Stephen Comfer, and Cross Hannes down to the AHL, or with Dominic Shine's case, released him from his tryout, sending him back to the AHL. So all of these guys are down to Grand Rapids, including Sebastian Cosa, which we should mention well, which is great because that starts his Grand Rapids career. And uh, yeah, I'm glad they, they decided to put him there. on Friday and then 15 on Sunday. And Cosa yeah. was one of the three on Friday. So, so now the play at Red Wings down th- officially to 32 before we get to the new information that leaked, it wasn't official yet, but leaked 
Let's talk about uh, the fact that Simon Edmondson got sent down. The rest of these guys, like, I think Donovan Sobrongo, I think uh, Pontus Andreasen, I think Albert Johansson. I mean, all these guys. Pretty straightforward I, besides him. Giannis Maybe Matt Luff, but pr- pretty much, yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of those guys are future NHLers. It's just more, they need a little bit more time to simmer. Jonathan Bergen must have been a tough one, though, because he played really well all preseason. But yeah, I, I think just really a, quickly with Bergen, and we've talked about it a million times, I think it comes down to playing time. You know, where, where is he going to get the most playing time? And, and if you truly think that he is, like he, he would have been the talent level between the fourth line, which is probably around where he would have ended up, versus him getting legitimate playing time is not uh, an equal thing. It's not worth it. Absolutely. I, I think he he's really close. Like he's really, really close, but For it's sure. just, it's roster space and it's just minutes. That's what it comes down to with a lot of these yeah. guys. I mean, I think a lot of the Red Wings high end prospects and even some of their middle round prospects really showed up in this preseason. And uh, I think they got a bright future ahead of them, but it's just roster space. But with Simon Edvinson, I don't disagree with this, to be honest. I mean, we talked about how he could fit a roster just because of a lack of competition. But I honestly do think that he wasn't 100% ready. And I believe I said it in multiple shows last week. Just wasn't quite there. So this yep. move makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, he needs one more year of professional hockey like like Mort Sider did. Mort Sider, again, people forget, but he played in Grand Rapids. This is Simon Evanson's Grand Rapids year. Come next year, maybe come later in the season. Because it only took 49 games for uh, Mort Sider. Granted, COVID is what stopped that season. But... He could be ready this year still. It's just he needs to work work on those, you know, rough out those edges. No, smooth out those edges. That's 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 the phrase, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think that there's a very real, I would even call it likely, poss- that Simon Edvinson is on this team uh, by game 82. Like, I, I, th- I would say that that's even like a more than 50%. I think that that's probably likely if everything goes to plan, unless he just totally really struggles immensely in gr but no i mean we we talked about it a lot we we talked you know every single preseason game we literally talked about it after every game we were like he hey, flashes but... he looks unbelievable and you look and go okay these are the intangibles that we've heard about this is what's going to make him such a special player when he figures it out and then there's some plays when you're like wow this dude does not look like an nhl caliber defenseman right now and when you are trying to put the most competitive product on the NHL ice and you're trying to win, you look around and you go, okay, well, is it worth it developmentally to give Simon Edvinson third pairing minutes at the NHL level and see if he will get over his, you know, he's going to take his licks early. He's going to take his lumps and, and might struggle at times early in the season. But like, is it worth it to do that and have him figure it out? Or is it more worth it? to send him down to Grand Rapids, get him whatever, 25, 26 minutes a night on a consistent basis, and then call him back up when you think he's more ready uh, toward the middle of the season. So I, I, yeah. I think that that's – I still expect him to be in a winged wheel by game 82. But uh, for right now, I, I I mean, based on what we saw, again, we talked about it all the time, it's not only not surprising, I think it's honestly probably the right move just period. Absolutely. And so this leads us to this problem. The deadline is, as by some of you guys are listening, at 5 p.m. today to trim the roster from 32 players to 23 players. And Elmer Soderblom 
is still on that roster. But there was a leak of people on waivers that had not yet cleared or been picked up yet. Like this wasn't news that was supposed to come out, but somebody made an oopsie. And now we know <laughs> that let me find the right window. There's four players that are on waivers and three that have already cleared. So Zarnik Comfer Luff have already cleared waivers and have been sent down to Grand Rapids. And on waivers still is Kyle Crisculo, Taro Hirose, Yuho Okinawa. He's going down to Grand Rapids uh, if he doesn't get picked up. And Giovanni Smith. Now, the biggest name on this is Giovanni Smith. And we talked about it. And we, we were a little bit hesitant to say it. But, yeah, I mean, he just did not look very good in the preseason. He, he was getting outplayed by guys three years his younger. And they just looked like more complete packages. I'm not like hating on Giovanni Smith. I'll never hate on Giovanni Smith, but I think that he's just one step behind in almost every category to be like an everyday NHL or like things are there. It's just not, it's just not coming together. You know, we talked about, we, we, I think the best way that we put this was a few, probably a couple weeks ago. Now when we were talking about Giovanni and, and where he stands with the team. And I, I think the best way to put it was how we put it then when we said, he is still what he was and he's still the same type of player and doesn't seem to have taken any massive steps forward. And the rest of the organization is starting to pass him by yep. like everyone else is getting better and everyone else is improving. And we have all these young kids that are, that are coming through and, and coming up through the farm and whatnot, and they're all taking steps in the right direction, and we're bringing in free agents, and the roster at the NHL level is getting better and better, and he's he is almost getting just passed by in what he is. And that's, again, that that's I love that man more than anybody. Like, I, I there is still a very real possibility that he does take more playing time in Grand Rapids and, and um, hopefully in Grand Rapids. And... Uh, can take steps developmentally and and get back on track and kind of more in line with the rest of the organization. I think that's very possible, but for the time being, just from what we've seen, I mean, that's pretty much the best way to put it. It's just people are starting to pass him by. So this brings us to the obvious conclusion that Elmer Soderblom is still on the roster. There's still a few cuts to be made, but right now you have 32 players. You're reducing that by another four. You're getting rid of a goaltender, taking you down to two goalies, and you're getting rid of uh, Hiroshi, Chris Kulo and Smith. That's three more forwards. That brings you down to 15 forwards on your offense that are currently rostered. Normally you want to carry like 13. You want you want 13 forwards. You want seven defensemen and you want to ask 14 or eight defensemen. One of the two to get you to 23, you need 23 people. So you can carry one or two extra on both forward or defense. You got to choose which side you want. So it brings us to a, a predicament where you look at who is left on the roster because you want Soderblom to make the team. Like, that's what we want right now. He looks like a good option. But you also not just want him to make the team, but get healthy minutes. Like, if he's going to make the team, he can't be a healthy scratch. You want him to continue right. his development on a third or fourth line role, steady minutes, not healthy scratch every night. So you look at who's left on the forward core. And like we'll even talk about the defense. So you have immediately that stands out. You have Oscar Sundquist. You have... Um, Robbie Fabry and you have, let me, I wrote it down here. You have Biakabatuka, Seth Barton, 
Mark Pissick and Jake Wolman, who are all left on the roster and viable for roster cuts. And also big shout out to uh, beer league Trump at Eiserman season on Twitter. Cause he had I DM to help me sort this thing out. Cause it's very confusing when you're trying to make all these numbers on the fly, the dog. but he it was really appreciated him walking me through it. Cause he just is on top of this whole, this whole roster Always. situation, but Pissick's going to go to the IR. Woman's going to go to the IR. Robbie Fabry's going to go to the IR because they're all recovering from injury. So that you brings you down. Big? Do we need this up here? I want to look. Yeah, we, thank you, buddy. Sorry, <laughs> I got I got stuck. But that's <laughs> another three guys that you could immediately trim down the roster. So we had trimmed the roster down by four from 32 to 28 based on guys who were still had to clear. Now you reduce it by another three. That brings you down to 25. So you're at 25. You got to trim two more players. Of those players, who are you going to trim? You can get where you can send down Joe Valeno. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's definitely earned his spot on the roster because he's waiver exempt. You could send down Elmer Soderblom, which we don't want. Like, let's just be honest. We don't want that. You could send down, obviously, Seth Barton or Bianca Batuka, which, I mean, it really depends on how many extra players you want to carry. But if you want to carry 13 or 14 forwards, Again, Elmer Soderblom has to be on the roster every single day. So who's your healthy scratch? Is it Adam Ernie and um, I'm drawing a blank again. Is it, you know, Adam Ernie and it can't be Soderblom. Is it Joe Valeno? It can't be. I don't think it, Valeno deserves to be a healthy scratch. So who do you scratch? That's another in this player where if you were healthy and you just send him down and get him more playing time. Because like I'm looking at the forwards that they have left who are on this roster and there's nobody that really. It, it again, Adam Ernie, maybe, but he's shown a lot of hustle in preseason. Man, he's really trying to make it it's nice veteran to have at the bottom. It's I don't nice know, it, it's definitely going to be uh, it, and you know, by the time everyone is listening to this, the decision might already be made, but uh, it, it's just uh, it, it's it's definitely going to be everybody just wants Soderblom to make the team at this point, and it would be so cool, like. Could, with we talked about how good the third line has looked in the preseason, like that's where everybody's confident in the healthy top six. People are now really kind of getting excited about the third line because of how look good it's looked in the preseason. And now you're talking about adding a unicorn to the fourth line, like yeah. that. That would be exhilarating. That that would be so fun and just optically and from the team's perspective, that's that's healthy like that that means that this organization is is heading in a good direction and everyone is progressing properly when you bring in a ton of outside talent all in one offseason and then you still have a homegrown player surpass and make the team over like some of those dudes like you know like that's that that's great it's good for depth it's just it would be fantastic all around well, and that's the, like so so the, the there is speculation that Sunquist isn't ready yet you know, that he's not healthy. I know right. I think Derek Lalone may have said that he's a little bit behind schedule. So if he's not ready, that brings you down to 13 forwards. At that point, you can make a healthy case that Soderblom makes the team. But if Sunquist isn't like IR unhealthy, then, you know, you keep Soderblom for one game. I don't know if you even do that much. I mean, you want to keep him up so you have an extra guy in case somebody goes down. But, I mean, you look at your defensemen. Obviously, you have Seth Barton and Bianca Batuka, who are still... Uh, you got Bianca Batuka on that amateur tryout, which props to him too. We don't talk enough about him, but the fact that he's still on the final for the final round of cuts going into Monday yeah, is really very impressive. impressive. Uh, as an amateur tryout, that is great stuff from uh, Bianca Batuka. Seth Barton, third round pick, 
back in 2018. He's still sticking around. That's on your defensive side of things as well. But, you know, obviously Wallman and Pissick are injured. So right now you're looking at, at what do we count? Eight forwards before we started recording. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you got seven defensemen right now. I said forwards, but seven defensemen right now who are healthy and ready to go. You want to carry maybe one more, maybe one more. And so do you, instead of carrying Elmer Soderblom going into the season, keep Bianca Batuka or Seth Barton? Do they right. make the roster? So it's 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 a tough predicament. I'm really I'm really interested to see what the Red Wings decide. Of course, we are biased. We want to see Soderblom, but it has to make sense. If you're keeping him, he has to be playing minutes. Yeah, and and if he doesn't, then we know that he wasn't looked at in the light that he was going to get legitimate playing time. And I would rather than he get legitimate playing time. So like I'm yeah, it's whatever whatever the best situation for him is the way you want to go. But selfishly if one of those choices is consistent fourth line minutes, that's the one I, I as a fan, yeah. want to see. And I mean, he there's a situation where he could work himself up in the lineup. They were giving him top Absolutely. six minutes in preseason, and he scored um, that beautiful goal against the Maple Leafs the other night. He's yep. really dynamic. I think in the end, his ceiling is top six, but it's crazy. And he was a sixth round pick too. Came into came into the offseason without even Such an ELC time, before yeah. he signed it. I mean, and and on the flip side, you know, talking about Grand Rapids. That's going to be a fun yeah. name team. I mean, you have that, Kosa. There's a lot of talent in GR, man. And like we we talked about when we started this segment, we talked about Kosa's down there now. Like there's a there's a lot of good talent. Grand Rapids is going to be a fun team to watch this season. Well, let me I mean just to rattle it off for you one more time. Obviously, you have a bunch of NHL veterans. You guys guys like Comfer. Um, you have Matt Luff and Austin Zarnick, who are all NHL veterans. Now you have Simon Edmondson and Albert Johansson making their uh, NH or not a, NHL professional North American debuts. Right, is better. Pontus Andreasen making his North American debut. Uh, you have Jared McIsaac back down there again. You have Donovan Sabrango back down there again. You have Emil Firo making his North American debut. Uh, Jonathan Bergeron's back down there again, and of course. Cross Hannes making his professional debut along with Sebastian Coso. That's going to be a stacked Grand Rapids team. It's going to so, be really fun. Really, really fun. So, yeah. But, I mean, guys, this is it. You know, we're going to find out today if Elmer Soderblom is starting the season with the Detroit Red Wings, whether it be for one game until Sonny's healthy or it be long-term. I mean, that's, that's a big step for a guy drafted in the sixth round to take. And that's so exciting if you're a Red Wings fan. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I so. can't wait. And then... Friday, officially one business week away, baby. One business end, week end of this week. We have uh, we got some games that matter to talk about. Hell yeah! All right, we'll be back with you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. <laughs>